0: What's up, Des Moines? This is the Fit Moines podcast, hosted by yours truly, Doc Brian Ladd. On this podcast, we're going to talk about all things related to health and wellness in Des Moines. We'll interview clinicians and coaches from around the metro to get to know them and learn how we can continue to lead long, active, and healthy lifestyles. Let's get started. The Fit Moines podcast is sponsored by Kaizen Health and Wellness. At Kaizen, we help active people in the Des Moines area get out of pain become injury-free, and back to the sports and activities they love. We do this by working on four different areas. That is, movement, nutrition, sleep, and stress management. When we optimize these four areas, you not only feel better, but you move better, and you can continue to live your best life. Head to kaizenhealthandwellness.com to learn how we can help you get back to doing the things you love.
1: What's up, Des Moines? Doc Ladd here with the Fit Moines Podcast. Today I have Sydney Moore with Happy at Home Consulting. Sydney, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: So let's go ahead and get started. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your, your background and what you're doing now?
2: Sure. So I graduated from Drake University here in Des Moines with my doctorate of occupational therapy. And I worked for a little bit full time as a occupational therapist in a traditional setting. And I realized that there was kind of this area that wasn't being um serviced at what there was just this gap in care um for older adults. So then I I founded Happy at Home Consulting in hopes to um kind of bridge the gap and provide services to older adults in their homes.
1: Okay. So now does your does the consulting business uh itself provide those services or do you just work with other uh groups to provide services for older adults?
2: So a little bit of both. Um, I kind of have my business set up in two different tracks. So one of those being our own services and um, providing Medicare Part B services. So we do bill through Medicare. And then the other is more of that consultation, just being um, someone that organizations can call if they would like any sort of OT opinion. Um, I do some subcontracting and um, yeah, just kind of help connect community members.
1: Gotcha. When did this get started?
2: I just started this organization in March of
3: 2020.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Quite the time to start a business. But (laughs) this was an idea back when I was in grad school. So back in December of 2018. And I really, it crossed my mind. And I was like, nope, I'm not graduated. I can't do it. Starting a business is really hard. And I'm going to do it. And I think it was just working in a traditional setting and realizing what a gap there was to fill. And I was like, oh, I can do this.
1: (laughs) Sure. What type of setting did you work in previously?
2: So I was in a continuing care retirement community. So they had outpatient services. They had their, for their independent and assisted living residents, and then long-term care and skilled care. So folks that are coming from the hospital and having a short rehab stay before they return home.
1: Okay. So is this population uh, something you knew you always wanted to work with?
2: Yeah. Um I have always had a passion for aging adults. Um, I am was a huge Nana's girl growing up. Um, there was one year that it felt like I was going to her house um, a couple times a month and staying for the entire weekend. Like as soon as I was off work on Friday, I was on the way to her house, which was like a two hour drive at that point and would stay for the entire weekend. And we would just, you know, hang out together and enjoy each other's company.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So kind of walk us through like, what it's like to work with you guys, and how like how we get started, not what the process looks like.
2: Yeah, so for my um, patients that we're building Medicare for, the process is a little bit more involved just because of the federal regulations and kind of the different hoops that we have to jump through. Um, so <laughs> the kind of the first step is getting a referral from your physician, and most physicians that I've worked with are really happy to have um, additional services for their patients. So it's really not. Um, a, a big deal to get started. They just need some order that says OT to eval and treat, um, and then from there, I set up an appointment with them for the evaluation. I walk through several different pieces: um, the home environment, physical capabilities, cognitive case capabilities, and psychosocial components. Um, so OT has a, some pretty deep roots in mental health, and just um, the idea that when we are participating in our preferred activities, the things that we want to do, we are happier, which no duh, (laughs) Uh, everybody wants to to be able to do what they wanna do, right? So um, I do include that in my evaluation. And um, from from there, I get them set up for um, a plan of care. So identifying any sort of needs that they have, if they need some safety awareness education, if we need to review like cognitive compensatory strategies, Um, if we need to work on some strengthening, some balance, um, any sort of like activities of daily living, um, those pieces. So that's pretty, um, pretty much it for my Medicare folks. Um, For my consulting piece and more of that like preventative wellness, it's much more relaxed. Um, Call me, set up an appointment. Um, We kind of talk about what you're needing. If you're needing just like a one and done, um, I can happily walk through your home, provide recommendations and go from there um otherwise if you're running more like preventative and wellness services i can meet with you weekly monthly whatever works best for the person okay
1: could you explain a little bit about or the differences between occupational therapy and physical therapy
2: sure sure so um there are a lot of similarities between the two professions and I think in a lot of settings, OTs and PTs, buttheads. And I'm not sure why that is because we both have a place and um, I really rely on my PT colleagues a lot, especially when it comes to overall strengthening and balance and the really um, musculoskeletal pieces of um, a person. Yeah. So for OT, I look at um, the different Oh, like performance skills, so the different capabilities of person and how that relates to what they're able or not able to do. So if your balance is, you know, changing how you can shower, if you're not able to stand in the shower, we're going to work on your balance and your strength, of course, so you can be able to do that if it's more of like an endurance piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're also going to talk about how to kind of meet that need and still be able to shower independently while you're working on those things. So whether it's like adding some grab bars or adding a shower chair, um, making it so you can still safely and independently complete the task, but also working on what's um preventing you from completing the task. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I've uh, so I've been a physical therapist for six years now and before I own my own business, um worked in it was an outpatient clinic, but they were both places they were inside of a hospital. And uh, just getting referrals from the physicians, is always funny because usually it's like PT and OT. Like they don't really know. <laughs> it's just like one of you will take care of it. Like we're just going to put them both on there and someone will someone will fix this person.
2: It's <laughs> completely fine. Um, I actually prefer when I have PT and OT and I feel like it kind of completes the circle of care. Um it just helps to have both sets of eyes because we both think of different things most of the time, yeah. uh, especially for aging adults who have generally a little bit more complex case and more things going on than just one.
1: Sure. Yeah. 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 It's super, it can be very helpful to have a, a different set of eyes and just a different perspective on it. And like, like you touched on earlier too, like actually didn't realize until past couple of years that OT had that uh mental health side to it like that i don't don't know why i guess the ot's i worked with never talked about that so
2: yeah um some ot's i think um fit fit it in within their everyday practice yeah Um, but then there of course are ot's that work solely in mental health um you're talking about like inpatient mental health there are ot's that are generally um working with that patient population too um as far as aging adults, we're seeing more of a mental health component, especially with quarantine. Oh, sure. As we're seeing that decreased social participation, decreased um, initiation and kind of drive to participate in activities because what's the purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of depression and anxiety regarding the quarantine and just when's it going to end? Right. How is the rest of my life going to look? Um, that was probably one of the most challenging phrases that I had to um, hear from one of my clients who he was in his like mid nineties and he's like, well, I mean, I'm not going to be around forever. So is the rest of my life going to be spent in quarantine?
3: Yeah.
2: They're always going to be this way. Um, so as far as like the psychosocial pieces um, we're working not only on validating those thoughts and saying, well, that's like, an actual concern but also what are we going to do about it can we work on calling your family more often you have an iphone do you know how to facetime yeah. uh, when i when he showed me his phone it wasn't even working yeah. um first, yeah i know oh no because that's just like <laughs> such a big component to being able to contact your family yeah. uh, and it was it just required like a reset like something super easy but there wasn't anyone else there to do that for him sure So, um, OT can seem very basic in some of those mental health pieces, but it's so important at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, now are you, are all of your services in person or do you do any telehealth services or
3: anything like that?
2: Yeah, so I do both. Um, in the Des Moines area, I definitely prefer my services to be in person if possible, um, because it is pretty easy for me to travel places. But if we're talking like more rural parts of Iowa where, um, you know, the telehealth is a better option and people don't want extra people in their home um, during COVID, of course, I'm happy to do telehealth. Um, my electronic medical record system actually has a telehealth platform built in. So um, as far as getting people up and running, it's a quick link, it's HIPAA compliant, all that good stuff. Um, the tricky part is just the federal regulations and if Medicare will continue to pay for telehealth or not, <laughs> that's up in the air.
1: Right. Yeah. So we've talked about PT and OTE. Uh, what other services do you guys work with?
2: Um, I work really closely with case managers, um, so it's usually social workers that are working with um, clients who maybe don't have family locally or have family that aren't um, very knowledgeable about like the medical aspect of things as far as your planning. Um, I work really closely with them as far as getting set, getting people set up for success in their home. Um, because being placed in a nursing home is was already a fear really before COVID. A lot of people have adverse feelings toward nursing homes and long term care settings. Um, but now with COVID and COVID kind of running rampant in those facilities, that's really increased um, people's desire to stay at home.
3: Yeah. And do you guys work with any like home health nurses or?
2: Um, yes and no. So we're a little bit different from home health. So home health, of course, is billed under Medicare Part A. So you do have to be homebound. So that means that you can only go out for like doctor's appointments, hair appointments, and church. (laughs) And then we're billing Medicare Part B. So it's essentially the same billing as an outpatient clinic. So if you were to go out into a clinic in the community, but I'm just coming to their home instead. Um, so so we can't build both Medicare parts at the same time. So I don't have a lot of overlap with those nursing staff from home health, Okay, but I do work pretty closely with like private caregivers. And if they're hired through like home instead or senior helpers or whatever company they're using. Gotcha.
1: Okay. That makes
2: sense. Yeah.
1: There's a lot that goes into that Medicare world.
2: (laughs) So much. There's so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Definitely a learning curve. (laughs)
1: Oh, I'm sure. Do you do all that, all the billing yourself then?
2: Um, yes and no. So I do have a clearinghouse and people who send it to um, Medicare for me. who kind of Yeah.
1: yeah I, I mean, if I were, if I were going to bill, I, I would do the same thing. There's just so many, ins, and, especially with Medicare uh, and it's changing. There's so many ins and outs of it that it can be really confusing.
2: So. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's nice to have someone to double check and make sure everything's yeah. good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us um just uh, like how we how did your interest in health and fitness and everything get started?
2: Um I think that it really started when I started volunteering with an individual when I was an undergrad. Okay. Um he had paraplegia, so he was wheelchair bound. Um and he really had this desire to stay well and stay active. Um, And I think that's probably why I went more of the OT route is because it was participating in all of the preferred activities that he wanted to do and um, building up his capabilities to be able to do those things. Um, So I ended up changing my major, like my first year in school from biology to kinesiology with a emphasis on community and public health. And from there, I just really fell in love with the field. I mean, there's just so much to do in public health and so many different areas that people um can improve their health and wellness mm-hmm. uh, it's not just fitness for me it's not just nutrition it's the mental health component it's the um financial component financial well-being is a huge piece to the work-life balance component there's just a lot to look at and help people to um you know be more well
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah absolutely um who would you say are some of your big influencers
2: um as far as, as like professional or personal both. Cool. Oh, okay so um you know the reason i started all of this is mostly for my nana um she had some significant diagnoses come up later in her life um she did end up being hospitalized going through like the home health system and um was doing okay but there was definitely some like cognitive pieces there and um just some overall well being issues going on. Um, so we really struggled with that. I wasn't quite old enough to be able to really participate, but, uh, in her care, but I definitely worked with my dad and then his twin sisters to, um, provide insight as I was going through OT school. So, um, one of the big things is that when she was receiving home health, she had such a decline in mental health because she would go out to the senior site and play cards and eat lunch every day, Monday through Friday with her friends. When you add in that home health piece, they can't go places. They are, they can't receive services and go places at the same time. So she was no longer able to do that. And being um, independent, she didn't live with anyone. It was just her, um, all of her kids lived two hours away, if not a few more minutes. Um, You know, it's just, it takes such a toll on disrupting your daily routines. And that's, really saw that need for services is to be able to provide people the services that they need without disrupting their lives. Right. Yeah. Um, when I was younger, when I was in high school, actually I had like a week off of spring break or something. And I had called her on a Thursday and I was like, Hey, can I like come down and stay with you this weekend? And she said, Oh yeah, sure. That's fine. Like, I'd love to have you. We'll just do all these things. And I got there and she was like, okay, so I realized that I have like this thing to go to, and I want to go to this thing at the church, and I want to do this other thing. And she's kind of suddenly saying, "Like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you. Like, I have I have a life to live and like things to do." And I said, "Fine. I mean, I'll go." And like, I called the hospital. I was like, "Hey, can I do some shadowing? (laughs)
3: Like,
2: I need these hours. Can I um, work with you guys?" And I did. So that was um, just like a really good reminder that. You know, older adults do have lives. They do have things going on. They have, um, you know, preferred activities, and that's mostly the reason for Happy at Home is just to help people continue to do what they love, right, in a safe and independent manner.
1: For sure. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great story. Um, I mean, just like just like you talked about, I think we're learning with quarantine and the whole pandemic itself but that social aspect of just everyday life is super important and uh you know something we're not getting as much of nowadays i mean things are opening up a little bit now in iowa um but we even saw that like just walking around you know there's tons of people out walking around and we go around the neighborhoods and there's people that are sitting out in their driveways, and everyone want to talk, and <laughs> it was kind of funny because there's people we've never seen before, and all suddenly they're sitting out on their in the driveway in their uh, chairs, and everyone's super happy. Do you know why, or do you have any insight on why Medicare requires that homebound status, and why? I mean, obviously the mental health component is a huge part of it. So why don't they open it up so people can go other places but still receive that care?
2: Um, I don't know exactly why, I guess my insight would be that when you're receiving home health, they're wanting to pay for a skilled service because you are medically in need of that service. Right. Um, so most of the time people that are receiving home health are recently discharged from the hospital or skilled care. Um, and they truly believe that when you are receiving home health, it's because you can't go anywhere.
3: Yeah.
2: Or if you, um, are capable of going anywhere why wouldn't you just go to outpatient because i'm assuming that with the addition of services because home health is usually nursing bath aid ot pt speech if they need it um so there there's a lot of professions involved and i'm sure that comes with a hefty price tag yeah so people sure. are drive to an outpatient clinic or um go up elsewhere to for services they see that as maybe like a cost saving
1: yeah yeah I, mean, I, I can definitely see that, and it, for sure it could get super expensive, but it just seems like there's a gap with the like mental health side of it Yes,
3: I would completely agree with that
1: <laughs> yeah okay let's uh let's move on here so how do you stay healthy uh what's your training program look like um nutrition just things like that?
2: yeah um, so as far as like training nutrition, all that jazz, definitely something I'm working on personally too um has been <laughs> completely impacted by quarantine. um we do have a gym membership we were going very consistently it was so good and then um obviously with covid that's not a possibility and even though you know the gym is open, I just don't quite feel comfortable putting myself in situations that could um Improve my <laughs> risk to be infect- infected.
1: Well, especially when you're going into people's homes who could be
2: compromised, and you know. And I still do go into like assisted living communities and um more of that, like senior living communities for um, work as well. So yeah. I, I would hate for something like that to happen. Yeah. Uh, so as far as you know, being home and um, trying to stay well, it's been quite the adventure. <laughs> yeah my fiance is maybe a little sad that i'm an ot and i can kind of um oh like d- not design workouts but kind of say okay we're going to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going and it doesn't take a lot of planning it's just kind of a um spontaneous like oh we're going to go do a driveway workout now yeah. And, <laughs> um yeah there were several times that he was like it's 2 days later and i'm still so sore <laughs> So that's kind of what our routine looks like. We do have dogs. So if we can um, walk them, get them to the dog park, walk around and socially distance that way, that's awesome too. Um, Unfortunately, one of our dogs has severe arthritis. So he's not quite a dog park candidate anymore. Uh,
1: Yeah. What kind of dogs do you have?
2: Um, So we have four dogs, two of us. Yes. So we have two French bulldogs and a Boston terrier and, but a, a large mutt <laughs> and that's <laughs> arthritis i think he's nine now um so he has some d- different things going on but it's okay his ot has got it
1: <laughs> <laughs> no um a little bit off topic our so you have your doctorate degree um are all ot programs at that doctorate level now you no know, uh, when i was in school they were kind of heading that way i think creighton was like the first school to actually officially do it um i haven't paid attention
3: to it though
2: yeah so it's a little bit of a mixed bag still um we haven't fully transitioned to the doctorate um as far as the programs go there are far more doctorate programs now than there were Um, that's just from the um, standards and accreditation they were really looking at the doctorate closely and also looking at um, occupational therapy assistants and in in pr- er, increasing their education requirements. Yeah. Unfortunately, in Iowa, that would really change our access to um, occupational therapy practitioners because all of the OTA, those OT assistant programs are in community colleges. I think like three out of four are. Um, so they really help to cover those rural areas. Sorry, my dog is snoring. I hope that doesn't... Um, record very loudly but anyway so um they really helped to cover those more rural areas of Iowa yeah. so if those all to a four-year degree um that would I think really impact how many OTAs we had sure uh, but then as far as like the master's and doctorate so master's is still considered the entry level um that is accepted but there are a lot of doctoral doctoral programs So. Doctoral programs are going to be more for um, folks who are wanted, wanting to go into academia and teach. They're wanting to do research. Um, they're wanting to be in administration, more of those um, leadership roles.
1: Gotcha. Is that something you want to get into someday? Or?
2: Um, yeah. So I did. I am on um, faculty at Indian Hills, which is an OTA program. Cool. So I um, do adjunct there, and I helped out with some of their student rotations over the summer and taught a class there the summer. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm just kind of there to help as needed.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And then as far as like administration goes and um, research, I love both of those pieces. I'm not sure if I could do them full time though. Um, but I think that's also why this like um, owning my own business is working out well is because I can factor all of those into what I do every day anyway.
1: Yeah, it gives you that flexibility, right? You kind of pick and choose your schedule and do what you. Truly like to do?
2: Yeah, so I can collect data and I can put together research and really show the benefits of what I'm doing. Um, And then also, like, get my feet wet and all the admin stuff. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Your regulations. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Let's go to some Spitfire questions. So, what are you best at, and then what do you struggle with?
2: Ooh, um, I think I'm best at meeting people where they are and seeing the potential. Okay. Uh, I really like getting to know people. I like getting to know like what makes their wheels turn, what they really enjoy doing yeah. and um, kind of taking that a step further and finding out like, well, what could make that better? Like what can make you more involved in that? That would be so awesome. Yeah. And I really love coming up with new ideas and, um, kind of taking people to the next level, I guess. Um, the caveat with that is sometimes they get too excited and, um, and maybe push people to where they don't want to go. They don't want to get that involved or overwhelming for them. Uh, I have several people on my list to um, bother about making websites and getting their own blogs going and all that jazz too. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm really excited about this idea. I really want you to get on board too, but ultimately like, not everyone has like the time or the energy to do that. Right.
1: Your pusher, and you push them out of their comfort zones.
2: Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Uh, so, what what would you say is the number one thing that people should do to maintain their health and fitness?
2: Um, so, I am a huge proponent of addressing the environment. Obviously as an OT, I really like looking at the home and how your home is either supporting or hindering your work function and your safety in the home. So looking at some of those fall risks, do you have throw rugs down? Are they secured? Could they be removed? Do you have grab bars? Do we have seating that is what I call the just right height? So is it easy to get on and off of? Yeah. Um the toilet, the recliner, the couch, wherever you're sitting. Um, does it have sturdy armrests? Is it mobile? It does it swivel. <laughs> Those are huge fall risks. Um, things like that, that I really just want people to consider their environment more um, frequently when they're addressing how safe they are in their home.
3: Okay.
1: Are there any books that you're reading right now? Or do you have any book recommendations for people?
2: Oh gosh, I have a whole slew of books, but I will tell you, I'm not good at reading and attending just to one. <laughs> as far as my book selection right now, um, I have a lot of business books because, of course, I'm not trained in business, um, so I'm really working on educating myself <laughs> as I continue to um, work on my business. The one I just finished was e which is a really great read for any entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 And just talking about kind of getting your bases, bases covered right from the get go. Um, That's a really good read. And then I have a couple others that are in the stack. I did um, download this wonderful app. It's called Hoopla. Oh
3: yeah.
2: H-E-L-A. And um, that's a really great resource for people who are running eBooks. You hook it up with your library and you can download so many free eBooks a month. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we live in Grimes, and I think uh, I think the Grimes Library uses that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. so that's a really great resource, because I think that was one of the things that I struggled with, was I don't want to buy books, especially if I don't commit to reading them. Yeah. And, <laughs> and getting to the library, and most libraries are closed right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you prefer hard copy versus audiobooks, or...?
2: Um, I think I really prefer the ebook format. I like being able to like adjust the lighting and the backlighting and oh, all. Sure. That. Um, and then I don't have books piled up everywhere either. Cause we live in a very small rental house. So, um, it's yeah. just very limited.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you, what do you use? Do you use like a Kindle or iPad or?
2: Uh, yeah, I use an iPad.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. What, um, uh, is there anything else that you would like people to know about you or about
1: Happy at Home Consulting?
2: Gosh, I um I really designed my organization to have the flexibility to be a good community resource. So regardless if people um use my paid services or um not, I really want people to be able to reach out to me and say like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" or "Have you heard of this program and what are your thoughts?" Um I really want to connect people to existing community resources, people like you or other ETs um, and just be able to refer people to where they need to be. Yeah. Um, so even if they don't need my services, because in OT world, they're doing fine. Um, finding those other things that put other areas of wellness that they couldn't prove on and referring appropriately. Sure. Yeah.
1: So Sydney, if, People want to learn more about you and about your business. How can they do so?
2: Yeah. So I have a website. It's happy at home And then you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can also email me at Sydney, S Y D N E Y happy at home consulting.com.
1: Awesome. We'll be sure to put those in the show notes.
2: Awesome. Wonderful.
1: All right, Sydney, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you
2: for having me. No have
0: a you too. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to learn more about today's guests or about Kaizen Health and Wellness and how we can help you continue to be active and pain free for life, head over to kaizenhealthandwellness.com
1: to learn more.